Okay, now I'm recording, Max. So I'm talking, okay. I'm talking to, to Max of um, Karma Bank and also of The Oracle. He is the host of the BBC show, The Oracle. And uh, Max, I have two questions for you. I was talking to Stacy, and, and these questions came up, not from her, from me, so I, don't blame her. Um, what would you do if you were um, Treasury Secretary right now? Well, the Treasury Secretary, Tim Geithner, is a part of what I call the war between savers versus speculators. Mm -hmm. And he is working on behalf of the speculators, and he's not acting in the interests of the general population, who I categorize as workers and savers. So it's Tim Geithner and Ben Bernanke, the, the Federal Reserve Bank, and the Treasury Secretary. These guys are basically like parasites. They've glommed onto the system and they're draining the system in ways that are destroying the host, the host being us, the population of workers and savers. So you have to look at what Tim, Tim Geithner, as you would uh, a tapeworm or something, a, a parasite. You know, you have to get rid of him. You have to get rid of his office. You have to get rid of what he's doing. The same thing with Ben Bernanke. The Ben Bernanke can be eliminated entirely. The entire Federal Reserve Bank could be eliminated, and it would not hurt the U.S. economy at all. It could only help the U.S. economy. So if you were Treasury Secretary, you would first, as your first act, you would fire yourself, <laughs> basically. Yes, pretty much. If, if you made me Treasury Secretary, I would, um, well, totally reform that office. Uh, if, in fact, Bernanke and the Federal Reserve are eliminated, then the, the job of money creation falls to to the Treasury Secretary. I would immediately issue a gold-backed U.S. dollar on behalf of the U.S. Treasury and the U.S. people. That's what I would do as Treasury Secretary. And we wouldn't need a Federal Reserve because you'd eliminate that and the Federal Reserve would belong to the government again, right? Or the Treasury, the money would belong to the government instead of the, the uh, banks. The private banks. So if the the, the, US, yeah. the U.S. government would issue its own money on behalf of the American people, yeah. and it would not outsource that task to a third party, right. the Federal Reserve Bank, which is a, uh, a, a too expensive to do. We can't afford to have somebody else print America's money and then charge us interest for that job anymore. But, it's too expensive. But if the banks are being uh, socialized anyway and being bought up by the government, isn't that in effect what's happening anyway? That the banking system is being co-opted by the government? Yeah, so in, in other words, since the, pri the private banking system is being bought by the government, it won't be private anymore, it'll be owned by the government, just with a lot of levels of red tape, or no? If you had a representational government, that would be an interesting option, but you don't. You have an a government that represents the very narrow interests of an oligarchy in the U.S. So the interest banking system are falling more, more conclusively under the umbrella of an entrenched oligarchy that is operating outside of the interests of the general population. So the, the idea here is that the people like Geithner and Bernanke and the other government officials, once they get their hands on the 
banks to an even greater degree than they also have. Uh, you know, you can make the argument that Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan had already nationalized the U.S. banking system starting 25 years ago. Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan are part of the U.S. banking system. They're, they're, they're already been nationalized because they've already co-opted the system to the point where it serves only their very narrow interests. Now, you said that uh, Geithner has been uh, working in the interest of speculators and not savers. How w what, what would he do? If he were to in act in the interest of savers, what would his actions look like? What would he be doing? Well, you know, again, between Geithner and Bernanke, there's a very close relationship. They, on, on the actual job descriptions, they do different things. But this um, just talking... We talk talking about them collectively as one, as as one unit for for a moment. What what savers want uh, is uh, what savers want are higher interest rates, because okay. savers want to get more money on their interest on their savings, because um, and, and savings are good because savings are form the capital, upon which the system we call capitalism is based. Mm -hmm. You can't have capitalism without capital. You can't have capital without savings, and you can't have savings without an interest rate that incentivizes people to save and incentivize workers to work. You know, you want workers to work so that they save money and that the savings in turn attract additional savings because they offer a high rate of interest, which in turn create the pool of capital that is the basis for a capitalist society. Now, because interest rates have been pushed down so low, you've destroyed the incentive to save, you've destroyed the incentive to work. What all you have left are speculators and gamblers who are gaming the system and attempting to create profits out of game you know additionally additional gaming of the system, which is completely unsustainable and it's completely detrimental to the interests of a uh, society. Now you said something very interesting. I was wondering if you could re explain it in your own words again on your show a few weeks ago, where you said that this notion of um, that the or this assumption that the American economy is fueled by consumption is actually incorrect. That it's fueled by savings. Can you can you explain that? Well, the the uh, the way the economy is um, is measured is through GDP, gross domestic product, which is made up of several components. Mm -hmm. One of which is consumption, which up until a couple of years ago was seventy percent of the number and um, unincluded in that calculation is the money people are borrowing to go out and consume so as of a couple of years ago people are actually borrowing money to consume money that they didn't have and they were you know this was counted as a productive society as a, a society whose economy was growing now um, obviously you cannot keep growing a balance sheet on nothing but borrowed money and consumption of wasting assets. Eventually, that scheme has to collapse, as it has collapsed. And um, there's, it's a, there, no economy has ever been built by consumption alone. It's impossible to build an economy by consumption alone. You just can't have all consumers and no workers and no savers. I mean, for a time, for a time being, the savings, the work and the savings was supplied to America from China. But now you've seen a uh, the soul system. The soul, yeah, the soul system is coming glued. So you don't you don't really have that um, 
system is, is breaking apart now. Sorry about that. I'm at my sister's house. I can't answer the phone. My house is being painted right now so that I can um, sell it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Before it crashes, before I go underwater on it, because it turns out I can actually still make money on it if I sell it very soon. Almost. Yeah. Anyway. Um, hmm. I forgot what I was going to say because that phone. There was one more thing I wanted to ask, but I forget what it is. Oh, well, yeah. you want to talk about gold? You want to talk about gold for a second? Yeah, yeah, but I do remember my question now. Um, I do want to talk about gold. Have you seen, I don't know if they have this in France, but I know you have Starbucks there. Have you seen this new instant coffee that they're pushing? Well, I listened to your podcast, and I know you uh, have, have tried it. They, it hasn't made its way to France yet, but um, I understand that in America they do have an instant coffee product. Well, it's shit. You know, it's, it's $3 for three teaspoons of instant coffee which tastes exactly the same as like taste, Taster's Choice or any other instant coffee. But they come in these little packets. And I was at the regular grocery store yesterday, and they sell a dozen of them with the same exact thing but with the Folgers brand for a dollar. And Starbucks charges right. $3 for three packets. So I was just wondering if you had an opinion. Like for me, like I kind of think like, does Starbucks not get what's going on? I mean, do they not understand what's happening to their business? Because to me, this well, is well, uh, McDonald's just reported uh, earnings for the quarter, and they were up. And it's one of the few companies whose uh, earnings are going up, and it's being driven by sale of coffee. You know, they're selling Starbucks cloned coffee uh, for a lot less than Starbucks, and they're grabbing a lot of market share from Starbucks. So clearly, Starbucks knows that they're losing a tremendous amount of business to McDonald's. Now, as far as the uh, the instant coffee goes, now understanding is that the process of turning coffee into instant coffee is such that um, you can't. Is isn't it fairly um, industrial? You know, process that involves all kinds of solvents and. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I only know what that Mrs. Olson used to say: "Taster's Choice decaffeinated freeze dried." I thought they just. I don't know how the hell they do it. Yeah, I mean, it's it an industrial like problem that, that is, doesn't matter what you put in one end of it. It's going to come out tasting like um, industrial sludge. I don't, I don't think it matters what quality beans you put into that process. Right. I, I mean, I'm not uh, certain of that whole freeze-dried process, but I know when, I've, when I have uh, tasted this type of uh, freeze-dried coffee, you know, it, it all tastes like on an airplane or something. It all tastes exactly the same because it's all extremely industrialized processed kind of goop well it's foxhole coffee i think it's like coffee you drink i always keep some in the house in case i run out of real coffee and i need to wake up anyway anyway i just i just think it's interesting because it seems like they've kind of they're not, they don't they're in denial about what's happening to their business that people can't just waste money uh for four dollars on a cup of coffee as much as they used to so instead they're just trying to sell very expensive coffee that just doesn't taste as good. So I, I, I'm just trying to figure all that out. Well, I mean, I think yeah. I mean, that's a um, there's a there's a mentality uh, in in the brand-driven consumer model mm -hmm. that people are willing to act in strange ways to pursue branded merchandise. Yeah. And Starbucks was certainly been able to ride that. Uh, trend for a long time, and it, I would agree with you that they do not appear to fully understand the fact that the economy has basically collapsed. Right. 
and that doesn't work anymore. So what? So on gold, uh, what do you what? What's going on with gold? It's been it's been high and it's pretty much staying at around like nine fifty or so, right? Dollars. Where do you well, against against other currencies, it's making all kinds of new highs. For example, you know, gold priced in euro uh, a year ago, or, or or gold priced in British pounds, is up forty percent from up from last year. So if you're living in in the UK. If you own gold, everything is now 40% cheaper. Your purchasing power is up by 40%. If you're up in the eurozone, it's made new highs against the euro. It's made new highs against every currency in the world except the U.S. dollar why? and the Japanese well, yen. I mean, I understand why it's going up against the other currencies, but I don't understand why it's flat against the dollar or flat with the dollar. Yeah, well, I mean, against the dollar, because it still trades, uh, the dollar is still the world's reserve currency, and you still have a tremendous amount of interest on the on the part of banks to keep the price in dollar terms at, at a suppressed level but but what I'm saying is if people are thinking about going and moving to other countries moving to Turkey moving to Europe moving to Canada moving to any other country when you arrive and you cash in your gold it could be the same price as it was when you left America but you suddenly have 40 percent more money when you arrive at this new country that's good I mean, for me. That's, that, that's what I'm trying to say. It, yeah. it, it, it's the value. If, if people are in the United States and are thinking about leaving, uh -huh. you know, they can, they can park their money in a, in a gold bullion account, and when they arrive at the new country, they're going to find that their purchasing power is up dramatically as these other currencies collapse. So is it still, is it still the case that gold was basically always the same value? It's everything else that changes? Well, that's, yeah, that's one way to look at it. Over, the, over time, it's maintained its purchasing power over over time and over the past 10 or 15 years the purchasing power has not kept up with other inflationary trends in the economy um, but that seems to be changing so that the price would move to a, a more normal price as as compared with how other prices have moved so um, but pretty much yeah the price stays consistent over time it's something you want to own when paper money loses its value and continues to lose its value and you're seeing that happening in countries all over the world the value of paper money is losing losing value and i just got this email i don't know if you saw it i, I was chatting with stacy and i just got the email from gold money that there's they've just launched an iphone application that you were that you can use to trade gold with businesses um wherever you are so like it sounds like They've got, and like what's if if what they're doing is any indication of the future that, what it means is that, people will be trading using gold and not dollars, and then they would be trading, like if I go like I would go to a store, and if let's say I go to Starbucks and I want to buy some horrible tasting coffee that's a ripoff, I would say, type it into my iPhone and transfer my gold, to Starbucks's gold account. Well, what they do is it's like having a money market based in gold. Mm -hmm. So anytime money comes in or out, they automatically translate it into gold. So if you have a gold money account and you buy your Starbucks coffee, and uh, it, it, they would deduct $4 worth of gold from your account and credit them $4. Yeah. Do you think that's the way things are going to go in the future? Sounds well, I talked to James Turk. James Turk, who is the CEO of goldmoney.com, 
Right. One of his goals is to create an, uh, a situation where you have a de facto global gold standard, currency gold standard, just because so many people will adopt this way of uh, managing their assets where their primary liquid account will be drawn upon from, from a gold bullion account. So people will have a, their own gold standard. Uh, they'll, be all, they'll be mostly in gold bullion. They won't have any paper currencies. And so I think goldmoney.com actually has a patent on this idea of translating um, into digital gold or something like that. But it so yeah, like I mean it makes a lot of sense. Gold, right? I mean, isn't that basically what it is? Yep. Yep. That's my understanding. Yep. All right, I'm going to stop this recording because I don't want to fuck it up. So we'll just leave it. Thanks, thanks, Max. Hang on though. I'm going to stop the recording, right. but I'll stay on.